Welcome, everybody, to Fatal Error. I'm Chris Dezombach. And I'm Suresh Kamla. And uh, this week, we are going to talk about the uh, kerfuffle around file private in the uh, Swift Evolution uh, ecosystem right now. And we haven't done a good Swift Evolution episode yet. I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. And I think we're going to start with file private. Yeah, we're going to gamble that we can talk for half an hour about this. Before we jump into that, I wanted to thank all of you for supporting us here on Patreon. It really does mean a lot to us. And uh, you are making it possible for us to continue producing this episode, paying the hosting and editing costs. Yeah, super, super appreciate it. And with that, let's dive in. So Swift Evolution Proposal 0159 is under review as we record this. And uh, by the time this episode goes out, the review period will have ended. But the proposal is uh, pretty straightforward. It proposes simply to uh, basically get rid of the file private keyword, which was introduced as part of Swift 3, and uh, to give the private keyword the same behavior that it had in Swift 2 and the same behavior that file private uh, provides now. Right. So this completely reverts the other one, which was 0025 scoped access level. I don't think it completely reverts it. This really sort of laid out the rules for for public and internal, Uh, although I guess those were around already, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, those were around already. All right. Before, basically in Swift 2, we had public, private, and internal, and no protected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so right, then this completely reverts proposal 0025. Right. And I, yeah, I haven't read the, the proposal super in-depth, but does it do anything other than revert it? That's the only thing it does. Right, that seems good to me, then. So let me ask a question that I think is really what we're sort of getting at here. Is file-based privacy, file-based access control, actually a useful or meaningful thing? Or should the language provide some other way to share code, to share, like, sort of private implementation details between, like, I think the most common use case is probably between extensions that are declared in the same file, right? Right. I I think Swift could stand to have, like, good... uh, modules or namespacing. I think Ruby's system for that is basically pretty good. Um, maybe the file is the wrong sort of metaphor for how we want to break up our code. But on the other hand, like the file is what we have. Like nobody is suggesting a radically new system where everything is in one file and you like kind of look at different views of the same file or like, you know, I, I don't really see Swift is a compiled language of text. Like, it's never going to be a block-based graphical programming language. Like, that's not... I don't even think that's possible. Like, it's, this, is, this is how it is. There's no way to make a semantic editor for, for Swift, and we have files today. So I, I appreciate this line of thinking, but I'm not sure that it's right. So, I mean, this is something that I've... I don't know if I have a strong opinion on yet, but it, uh, someone, uh, I think uh, Zach... Uh, how do you, Zach Dreyer, yeah, yeah. Po- tweeted or posted somewhere that, uh, like, thinking of a file when you're thinking about code is not really a useful abstraction right. in the way that, like, other lexical scopes are useful abstractions, right? Right. So... I guess I I think that the whole like the file private is is clumsy, but yeah I think that there should be room somewhere for declaring this really truly is an implementation detail to that no one outside this extension should be able to access, and I think that tying that to just sort of this accidental fact that our code lives in file in separate files is 
It, it feels wrong to me. Yeah, I, I feel that line of argument. I really do. Maybe there's a different way to do the whole thing from the top down, where, where you say, like, the big thing that people like when they make a different extension for every protocol is they basically want to be able to separate out the core of the thing from the, like, conformance to sequence or whatever. Right. And, like, maybe there's a way to, like, write a different kind of code in the thing and just say, like, okay, this is a marker, a separator. Like, I know we have, you know, slash slash mark, uh, which is fine, but something that, like, actually compiles and, and you say, like, okay, this is where this protocol conformance begins. Like, you write just, like, in in Ruby, that write, like, you can write private, and everything below that in your type is going to be private. So, like, in the same way you'd write, like, conform sequence, and then everything before after that is, like, for conformance to sequence. Yeah. Maybe that would be, like, a better... I mean, maybe. This is... This is kind of what I'm getting at, is that I haven't thought about this for too long, but it still feels like this proposal doesn't quite get it right either to me because we still have basically file private there's just no way to really segment off some implementation detail that like it really is truly private api that only um that this one extension this one little bit of behavior for your class has access to right yeah i don't know i, I think one thing that i think kind of goes unsaid is i think a large a surprisingly large portion of the pushback is just because file private is such an ugly, like, bit of code. It's like these two words. Yeah. They don't really make sense together. There's no underscore separating them. Like, it's just ugly. Because that, it doesn't have that elegance. And I think a lot of people, like, it's definitely me. Like, I react and I see that. I'm just like, I don't want to write this in my code. Like, Yeah, I, I, mean, I totally get that. Do you think that's the reason for the bulk of the pushback against it? Bulk is hard to say. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 30%. It might be, you know, 60%. But I think to me, like, I would be comfortable saying this is like 30% of the pushback is like, this is a really ugly identifier. Yeah, I mean... Like, even super private, I would like more. Like, if you had private, super private, instead of file private and regular private. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, like, what are the benefits to declaring something private, right? Number one is people outside your module can't use it, but you get that for, from internal for free anyway, so that's not a big deal. People inside your module can't, like, access it, but they can change the code and say, okay, now I want to use this thing, mm-hmm. uh, which I have seen. Uh, the other benefit is that when you create a generated header, it doesn't show up in the generated header. It only doesn't show up in autocomplete, not that autocomplete is super narrowed down already. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it doesn't show up in the generated header, and that's the argument I see a lot of in a lot of cases for, like, why you should mark things as private, which... To me, in that case, it doesn't really matter if it's going to be private or file private. Like, this file part of it doesn't matter. It's not that, like, well, this extension shouldn't be able to see it because when you generate the header, you're generating it for the whole file. So, like, on, on that level, I think it's basically fine. Yeah. This really is my problem with this proposal. Like, okay, file private is clumsy. It is a long name. It uses a, a files as... Uh, some, as if they have some sort of semantic meaning. Right, it encodes them into the language in a way that, like, why is that? It's so weird. Yeah. So uh, pr- this proposal says in Swift 4 mode, the compiler uh, will revert the semantics of the private access level to be file-based. Like that, this still comes with a lot of the same problems. It's still there, just hiding now. This, sol- this solves the ugliness uh, of the modifier, but it doesn't it doesn't solve like the thing that really feels wrong to me. Yeah. So if That's we fair. if we threw out both private file private, uh, can we come up with with something that lets you like 
declare that something is available everywhere in this type versus just within this like lexical scope. Like, hmm. I guess that's what we. Well, that's not exactly what we already have because either of the options for what we have now will rely on files. Is right. there something that we can do that limits that takes files out of the equation that is playing just with like? the lexical scope where something that you want to be truly private is declared. So we just have true private and just say, sorry, true you private. just can't do extensions that touch private things. It's just not allowed anymore. And that'd be a solution. Wouldn't bother me. That actually seems, I mean, just, yeah. So instead of reverting to the old behavior, you just remove the file private accessor entirely and leave private the way it is. I thinking just off the top of my head, I think that would brush up against the way that we're using extensions in some, in some cases in my current app. Right. And maybe this is part of the problem is that extensions are used for so many different yeah. use cases. Like in, in the same way, I think we're going to have to touch on modules in a little bit, but in the same yeah. way that um, people use enums as namespaces, uh, I think people use extensions as code separators. Yeah. And that's not really what they're for. Yeah, maybe and it that's... And that makes me feel uncomfortable more so than... Maybe that's just wrong. I mean, if you're extending something within the same module, like, maybe you should just be using internal API. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, huh. pri maybe file private should just go away and private should be truly private. Yeah. This feels really good to me right now. I haven't really thought about it, but that makes sense. There's this thing you can do. Uh, so have you ever written an iterator? No, not in Swift. Okay, so, so if you write an iterator, usually you make a type, and um, it has it has properties that it holds on to, and then it like has usually one function, maybe helper functions, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can also do this thing where you can use any iterator, which is a special type that takes a block, and inside that block you can declare local properties, because you're just in a function. Yeah. And then whatever you return is the returning result of the thing. And because of the way the blocks work, like those references are held on too tightly, and then like the block can continue to work with them. And there's a really nice parallel between them. So like anything you declare as a lo local property in an eddy iterator block is uh, the same as like a type property in if you if you generate like your own if you create your own class for it, right? Okay. And it kind of has this really nice elegant balance. To me. Yeah. But if you think about that, there's no way to make that those properties public. They're just in that scope and they're never leaving. Right. And like that's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to just say like that's it. It's never leaving. It's never coming out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Is it too late in the Swift language to have a change so like as big as getting rid of file private and leaving private as like? private to this lexical scope. Right. I don't think it's too late. I just don't think they want to deal with the pain of it. That's going to be a pretty yeah, breaking be change. One. Yeah, because tons of people use extensions to mark breaks in code. I think that the more that I think about it, that really feels wrong to me. Yeah. Like, I don't, I've, I, don't, I don't really like it. Like, I do it sometimes just to have one part of the code I can focus on, like a just kind of a scope for myself. Mm -hmm. But I really don't like it. Yeah, that seems really like an anti-pattern. Yeah. Just think about it. Think about it. Using <laughs> the extensions uh, to, to conform to protocols is an anti-pattern. Well, maybe not necessarily even to conform to protocols. I mean, maybe you're adding the protocol conformance somewhere, like somewhere else in the code. Right, or in well, another module. Seems, or in another module. In which case, you're just using internal API anyway. And yes. I find it hard to believe that in that case, you should be calling into private API even if you're doing it within the same module. 
yes. in a lot of cases. Yeah. So okay, the very common one for this is basically I have an, a, a, a type that has an array, and I want that thing to act as like a some kind of collection, random access collection, whatever. Um, so what I'll do is I'll have that property, and then in an extension I'll declare the conformance to mm -hmm. access property or a random access collection, and uh, so I'll give it you know start index, end index, all the stuff I need to give it. Great. For that. Your main type declaration is pretty short. You're really just saying, like, here's the array that I have. That's it. Uh, we usually mark that as private, now file private, mm -hmm. and then you'll put the rest of it in an extension. So what would you do in that case? You just put everything in one big declaration. Because you don't want that array, that subarray, to be public or in, even internal. Yeah, that's true. I guess you do need some way, at least in some cases, to share some sort of implementation detail between extensions. But I don't think that... I don't actually think you do. I think it's fine to not just to say if you need the internal, like the internal details to this file, which would be private, mm -hmm. not internal for some reason, you have to be in there. You got to be in there. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could see that. Yeah. That would not be a popular change. No, it wouldn't. People love their extensions. Yeah, they really do. And I think that would be one of the big effects of this change. It would be to make extensions far less common at least within the same uh, within the same module. If we did the way that you and I are proposing. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're talking about this, uh, we should probably mention some other access control features that other languages have that are not in Swift or for one reason or another. Right. Uh, and so a common one that Swift uh, is intentionally not bringing over would be the concept of something protected. Right. So what is protected? So protected means that uh, it can be accessed only by uh, your class and by subclasses of, of your class. Yeah. Uh, and that's distinct from private because something that's private couldn't be called by subclasses. Right. And this is something that uh, I know you've said before we started recording that Swift has a like, bright line rule that we're not doing that. Uh, do you know what the rationale for that is? Yeah. So, so when Swift came out, um, or it, they didn't have access control until I think 1.1 or 1.2. Yeah. And um, they added it, and I was kind of surprised because I was like, okay, public, private, internal, that seems really limited. Like, what about other ones? What about protected? What about different stuff? Now I'd say we have open, public, private, file, private, and internal, which is five, which now having played with public, private, internal feels way too many. And, you know, it was kind of weird, but the, the rationale that they gave, and maybe we can do this up for show notes, uh, if I remember right, is basically like, if your if your subclass is using a thing, like it, it's an anti-pattern to give it access to things from the superclass that aren't aren't public, and yeah. we don't want to support that, and we don't think it's right, and we basically want to help you avoid uh, having the subclass things at all where possible. So like we're just gonna like not have that feature. Like you can't remove subclassing entirely uh, the way that Go did because UI kit depends on it. You can't do. There's actually a lot you can do with UI view controller before you subclass it, because you can add subviews and child view controllers. But yeah, um, you can use composition. Yeah, you can do a lot of pretty crazy things, but uh, you couldn't add any behavior to it. So there's a lot of stuff you just can't do without subclassing with UI kit, and so it's like just necessary. It's just how you're supposed to operate with the thing. So since they can't remove it, I think they did the next thing and said, like, we're going to support it, but we're not going to let you just go crazy with it. Yeah. So they removed the, the protector thing. And I thought that was kind of a strong decision at the time, but now in retrospect, it was like definitely the right decision. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It, I mean, helps avoid several uh, 
just very fragile patterns that yeah. otherwise would commonly come up. Especially with protocols being the way they are and, and having the ability to like add functions to protocols, default implementations, you just don't need to subclass that much in Swift. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So one other thing that another language has that sort of plays into this would be C++, where you can designate things as private and then use a friend declaration to declare that certain other classes or functions uh, or, or you know, types in general can access your uh, like private members. So I don't know anything about C or C++. So how does the friend thing work? So if you're writing a class in C++, and it's been a while since I've written C++ too, but I think I'll get this mostly correct. If you're writing a class in C++, you can have private uh, private members, uh, you know, private functions, private instance variables. Right. And uh, then if you have another class that you're writing, probably, you know, as part of the same module, and you want that class to be able to collaborate very closely with the class that you're writing, you can declare... In, in that first class that has the private thing you want to share, that this other class is a friend, and then that class will be able to access your, uh, like, the first class's private members. Gotcha. So Does is it, it all private members, or is it just the ones that you declare, hey, friends can access this, or, like, this friend can access this one, and this friend can access this one, and that's it? Or do you just say, this is my friend, feel free to just mess with me internally, do whatever you want. I don't think that you can get too specific and say, like, this this friend has access to this member, this other friend has access to this other member. I think it's just, like, if you declare someone's your friend, then it can access any of your private things. Gotcha. Do you, what do you think of this as a feature? Do you think Swift should add it? I don't think Swift should add it. This seems like another pattern that I, it probably solves some problem in C++, and I don't know offhand what that problem is, right. but it feels like something that will also lead to some fairly fragile relationships. Yeah. It seems like an anti-pattern to me, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. If your friend is located in the same file, this is kind of like file private, isn't it? Yes. But you have to be explicit about which friend it is. You have to say, yeah. I'm a node and this is the node visitor and the node says you can access my guts yeah as a node visitor yeah yeah in that way i guess this does feel slightly like file private right yeah hmm. but it's so much more like you can just do really weird stuff i don't know I, I wouldn't i feel like you could write some really bad code with it oh absolutely you could write some, i mean it's a c++ you can write a lot of really bad code but generally speaking you can you have a, a lot of rope to hang yourself with yeah uh Although, if you're hitting yourself, a lot of rope is good. So, truly, what does that <laughs> phrase even mean? I, uh, I would prefer to have more rather than less. I, I guess, but that's usually not your goal. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, that's one other thing to, to consider, but that's another thing that I would not expect Swift to add at any time in the near future. Yeah, I don't think I want it either. No, I, I probably I haven't written any C plus plus in years. It, this probably solves some feature, so, some problem in C plus plus. Yeah, something they wanted to say, I'm going to be able to do it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I guess you assume that if you're writing a class and declaring that something else is your friend, you're also writing that friend, so you can you you know what invariance should should be held, and like you can yeah. still know what contract should be provided, but still weird. Yeah, very weird. So I I, I want to jump back. To uh, one thing that is is common, uh, or I don't know if it's common, but something you definitely can do in Swift. I do it. I know a couple of other people who do it. I think it's really useful. They call it a degenerate type or a degenerate enum, 
which is an enum with no cases. And what that means is that if you have that, your enum cannot be instantiated in any way. Yeah. And if you create an enum like that, you can add static members to it, and it, the, the enum acts as a namespace for those static members. Right. So if you have some global free function you want to add somewhere, but you don't want to pollute the global namespace, you can kind of nest it inside one of these namespaces. I like this for, for example, um, if I have something I do want to make a singleton um, for whatever reason, I will basically make the class and I'll make it be its own thing, it's freestanding, it's, you can instantiate as many as you want, you can set up the internal details how you need to, it's testable, and then when it's time to share it, what I'll do is I'll make a shared X, like if the thing is X, I'll make a shared X enum, no cases, and I'll put like static, uh, and then like I'll name it like main or primary, whatever the specific names are that I need, and then I'll set up the singleton there. So when you want to access the singleton, you go through some other type entirely. Oh, okay. So this, the traditional singleton pattern would be that the class just has a like shared instance static property. Exactly. And, and then you also might like um, make the initializer private. Right. And this, uh, so this approach means that that static uh, property doesn't exist on the class that you're using as a singleton. Right. And that encourages you to use best practices in designing that class. Yeah, exactly. So you make a class that's just a class. And then you say, well, I'm, I'm going to want global access to this thing. So here's how you globally access. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that's a nice pattern. There's a couple other people and a couple other cases that you can use it in. It's pretty useful. But yeah. you're kind of hacking into the enum thing just to make this namespace for you. Oh, yeah, it's a total hack. Like, right. you're using enum with no cases just because, like, you can't accidentally instantiate it, and you want to have a dumping ground for a collection of related static stuff. Right, exactly. And so it's a bit of a hack, but I still do like it. Um, but one of the things, I think Jared Sinclair wrote about this maybe a couple weeks ago, and he does the same thing, but he wants just a dedicated word, a dedicated keyword, in the language for this. So scope or namespace or module. A module would be overloaded if we use module, but right. something like that. And the idea there would be that you basically can set up this sort of namespace. You can put types in there, you can put functions in there, you can put whatever you want. Um, and it really has its own namespace, which would be really nice. Like a lot of times I find myself writing code where there are like everything has the same prefix, so like authentication coordinator, authentication. Um, data, authentication, like gateway, like all these things that I need that I want to be separate, but I also like don't want to have to type the word authentication every time. And when I'm inside there, I want to just right. be able to say, like, this is just a new controller or whatever. And so what's the motivation to add a language feature like this rather than putting uh, all of that stuff in, say, an authentication module? I don't like Swift modules, is my feeling on this, basically. <laughs> okay. Kind of hard to set up. It's really confusing, like what optimizations they're gonna get, and like I've heard you can if you have too many, like your app starts to take too long to launch, weird stuff like that. Like it just seems like not that good, and I also might want to nest them, and like it's it's nice to be able to just say like here's a keyword, here's a brace, and now I'm in the module. Like instead of okay now like, go to the file menu and like create a new module and set up the yeah. compilation parameters for it. Like I don't know about any of that stuff. I just want to be able to make my module. Or make your namespace. Make my namespace, truly. Yeah. I'll give you that. Modules definitely are not trivial to set up. Yeah. Um, it's a very heavyweight solution for, for if you just want to set, uh, particularly if you just want to set a few constants out right. uh, out somewhere. And um, like, like Ruby does this all the time. If you, if you have the module thing, which is actually overloaded 
But if you use a module in Ruby, you can say, like, my module's active record and my class inside there's base. So when you want to refer to it, active right. record, colon, colon, base, instantiate that, and you're off to the races. C++ has namespaces that achieve more or less the same thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's a useful feature. And I feel like that would also play into the access control stuff as well, if we did have a feature like that. Right. So you could say... Like, in my dream world, and I know this may be too highfalutin or whatever, but in my dream world, you'd be able to say, here's a module, here's a module inside that module, and then here's what that module exports, kind of in the same way that we do in JavaScript, you're saying, this is what I export, Yeah. Um, and you would call it public or whatever. So you would say, this is public, this is public, and all that does is it goes up one level to the next mo- to the next. Oh, next that's interesting, up, right? yeah. And then from that, if you do want that to be exposed externally, you say, hey, that's also public from this level. And it goes up one more level. And then it would play really nicely with modules. You would basically just need one keyword, which is just like, make this public. Um, and maybe, pr- you maybe want private, I don't know, that, that's like up to you. Yeah. But you basically just need one keyword. You say, publish this, publish this. And then as you go out the levels, like you just keep publishing the stuff that you wanna you wanna export. I could see that sort of recursion being a little bit complicated and a little bit hard for people to get used to, and that feels like something the Swift team might uh, might object to. Yeah, and it's also just like a lot of like I don't want to export things over and over again. Well, right. So let me propose a, a less foreign idea right. that builds on what we've been discussing this entire episode. We introduce a sort of namespace operator. Uh, that, that provides namespaces or what you've been calling modules, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, without the overhead of creating a whole separate Swift module, without the uh, like dynamic linking performance penalty that we get on iOS when you have a lot of uh, a lot of frameworks linked into your app, mm-hmm. and we have uh, we we still have five access level modifiers. Oh we have open, we have public, we have internal. Uh-huh. We have um, an internal is still a module level declaration at this point. Right. We've namespace private. Uh huh. And we have private. Which and interesting. So namespace private basically replaces file private. It gets rid of files as a somehow meaningful abstraction. So you'd have to basically say, I'm in. I'm this API. I'm say I'm an API error collection. I have an array of errors that I want to conform to collection. That goes inside its own namespace, and you can have as many extensions in there as you want. Anything in there is namespace private. You would basically get access to the whole namespace. Right. And then the last declaration would be private, which would keep the same meaning it has in Swift 3, which is private to this lexical scope. Right. Right. Okay. That doesn't solve the problem of it being kind of unwieldy. Right, right, but it do, does solve the problem of like having to care about files as like any kind of meaningful abstraction for anything. You could come up with a better name, I think, uh, or a better modifier to write something like uh, I don't know, space ns private. It definitely feels because it still feels to me like the private versus file private distinction is useful, and that any sort of file private access level, whether it's called file private or something else, is wrong. So maybe what we've landed on is introducing namespaces, which are a seemingly unrelated feature, but one that we want, and then using them instead of files for access control, meaning... Yeah, I like that. How do you refer to the types inside the namespace? Uh, Namespace.type? Yeah, right I assume that if you're within that namespace, maybe you can just use the type name. Yeah. 
that might come with some complexity around resolving like collisions. Right. No, I mean, it works today. Like if you do enums, you're going to nest at enums. Yeah. And then you're going to have like types inside there and it kind of figures it out. Yeah. And if it doesn't figure it out, then you can be explicit about which, which one you mean. And I mean, you expect it to work sanely and safely with modules, right? Right. So whatever problems we've solved for modules and net enums and whatever else, right, right. let's just use the same solution. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting solution too. There's, there's options. There are. Yeah. I feel like maybe first step revert, go back to the thing that we actually like, uh, but it's still wrong. And, and I don't quite it in before or whatever, but it's still wrong and I don't quite like it. Yeah. No, I feel you. It is, it is wrong. It's, it's maybe less ugly, but it's still wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So in your code, do you do you use private versus file private? Like, how do you? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we so first of all, we have uh, a few different modules in our application. So uh, especially in the in the frameworks that get linked into the application, we use the proper access level specifiers. And if I'm writing code, I default to writing something as private, and then. Once it becomes clear that, oh, I actually want to share this, that's a sign that I should really um, take a look at what API, what the API I've written does, consider in a little bit more detail how it should be shared and if it should be shared, figure out what like invariants and guarantees need to be like need to be made to actually share that. Right. Like, I mean, changing that access level to be a little bit more liberal does mean that you should be a little bit more careful about uh, what things like invariance and guarantees that that API provides. And uh, I worry that maybe this uh, proposal reverting file private and just using private for everything will uh, cause us to be a little bit less careful. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and like once things are back to the old way, I don't think anybody's going to feel any pain. And if you don't feel pain, you're not going to fix it. Right. I think that we're going to be stuck with files as an accidentally meaningful like yeah. scope in Swift for basically forever at this point. It could be worse. Um, in Java, I think the folder that you're in defines the module name. Well, so you have to do like folder name dot folder name dot folder name dot file. I mean, that's at least. I I, I don't mind that actually. Yeah. Like your so your file system on disk like reflects the architecture of how things are split up in your application. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I I mean, again, I feel like that's the same same deal as like re- relying on, on files as an abstraction for breaking up code. You're not relying on files as an abstraction for breaking up code, though. You're relying on the directory structure as an abstraction for structuring relationships between parts of the application. Right. Which but like, it's clearly not necessary because in, you know, modern projects, you just put everything in a folder and organize it in Xcode. The organization is just for the user. Like, it might be in two different folders in, or two different groups in the Xcode project, but it just represents one file on the disk. Yeah. Well, I mean, we still end up with the same thing in Xcode. You have multiple, like, projects split up for different, like, for different modules. You're just taking the same part, like, organizational work and putting it into one tool as opposed to another. Right. So, interesting. So, where do we land on the file private thing? Yeah, I mean, where I, I described earlier where I've landed. Like, <laughs> you, you know where I've landed. Uh, file private is ugly and wrong. Reverting it uh, and using private to mean file private is not ugly, but still wrong. <laughs> and we need namespaces and some sort of not ugly uh, namespace private access yeah, some, modifier. Some way to group types and, and scopes that isn't a file. Yeah. Yeah files as an abstraction for like 
organizing access to code is just wrong. Yeah. Thank you all very much for listening to Fatal Error. I don't really know where to go from here. So, yeah, we did it. Uh, we did thirty minutes on on File Private. Yeah, we did so, more than thirty minutes. Uh, did we? Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to the Patreon. Is this Patreon? This is Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Thanks to the Patreon people. Um, we love you. You mean a lot to us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And we will talk to you next week.